Hey, welcome to the Renovate. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. Today is a special day. Um, I was told, I won't say his name, but I had a member, a longtime member here, like a brother really, who came up and said, I heard a rumor today, Todd, that you're not preaching. And he said, now I have to pay attention. So uh, that's the rest of you have to do that as well. He's being real, real quiet right now. But today is a special day. So what you guys are going to notice over the next four months is the last Sunday of each month, we're going to have what we call our Perspectives series continue. And we're going to have someone from this church who is going to preach to you a message. So it's pretty exciting. So today, uh, if you would do me a favor and welcome Brandon up here. Give him a hand and let's listen. Hey guys, how we doing? Um, Well, this is my first time talking in front of this many people. If you know me, I've never been anxious or anything. So... (laughs) Should be a good time. I'm just going to jump right in. On the morning of January 26, 2020, uh, Kobe Bryant probably did a morning workout. He was known for his work ethic. He probably ate breakfast with his girls and his wife, probably kissed his wife and his youngest daughters bye-bye for the day, and he told them all, I'll see you later. He more than likely even made plans for dinner that night with them. On January 26, 2020, at 9.45 a.m., Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashed, and he died. I understand this doesn't resonate with everybody, because not everybody cares about athletes, but it was a little different for me than it would be for most people. On the bright side of all of it, it is said that Kobe went to church that morning, and he took communion, and the Bible says that if you're not saved and you take communion, there are some pretty big consequences, so... uh, Pretty sure Kobe's in heaven, so I take peace with that. Be honest with yourself for just a minute. What's the I'll get to it later thing? Kobe's was he'll see his family later. He'll have dinner. What's your I'll get to it tomorrow thing? Right? We all have one. I know you do. I have 80 of them. So what is it? Just be real with yourself about it. Because that tomorrow that you keep on planning for turns into tomorrow again, doesn't it? And then in two days, it's tomorrow again, isn't it? Hmm. In 2014, um, I was 18 years old. I just dropped out of high school. Probably wasn't going to graduate anyways, honestly. But, um, <laughs> I was very close with my family in a, in a sense, but I was also very independent for my age. I moved here on May 5th, 2014. My grandma was scheduled to have surgery on May 7th, 2014. I didn't call her on May 6th or May 7th because she had been panicking panicking terribly, and I wanted to call her on May 8th to let her know that she had been panicking for nothing and that the panic is, you know, it's all just in your head, me of all people. (laughs) Um, I never, never got to tell my grandma goodbye because I told her I had... You know, I told myself I'll do it tomorrow, and I'm not particularly great at calling people anyways. But this one's always stuck with me, because not being able to say goodbye is probably the worst feeling that you'll ever, on this earth, that you'll ever um, even come near. Why would I share these stories? Well, I shared the Kobe one, like I said, that tomorrow never comes. I shared mine because... As I said, not everybody's going to even care about Kobe Bryant. That's just the truth. 
In the last two years of my life, I've had several friends admit to me that they believe in God, right? Like they're for this God thing, but for some reason they can't sacrifice the part of their flesh that is saying that Jesus died for you and that he rose again. And I just, that's something I don't understand, to be completely honest with you. They're always waiting for the right moment. I've, I've actually heard uh, a young woman told me that she wanted to get to know God better before she would say that. It's contradicting on its own. If you have your Bibles with you, you could open up to Romans chapter 10, please. Verse 9. It's not even close. This is my favorite verse. Everybody got it? Thank you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Yeah, simple enough. Thanks, Ernie. (laughs) Yeah. So if you truly believe, which means in your heart of hearts, you know that. You can say it out loud and fool me, but you've got to know in your own heart. Then saying this prayer should be nothing. Not an issue. You should be able to say it ten times a day for the rest of your life because it's should be that easy for you. The right time could never come. You may not fly in a helicopter, but a young man in my wife's extended family recently, in the prime of his life, he just got in a terrible car accident. He's not doing okay right now. The man he was driving with, his grandfather died. They weren't expecting that when they were going wherever they were going. That wasn't supposed to happen. What are you waiting for? There are believers in this room or watching at home or whatever that are shaking their heads saying, yeah, what are you waiting for? It's foolish. What are you doing? I'm talking to you today too. It's not just them. Unsafe people aren't the only ones waiting around, are they? Go to John chapter 14, verse 15 real quick. If you love me, who is me? Yeah. You will keep my commandments. And immediately, I'm guessing we all think of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, all that stuff. It's all really, really good stuff, and we should try our best to do it. But he gave us a simple route because somebody wanted a little bit of a cheat code, if you will. Um, So according to Jesus, what are the two most important Let's go to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. Somebody following him asked him this question. He said, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Now, I I know for a fact that we don't all love God with all our heart, soul, and mind every day. We'll get to that one. Let's look at the love your neighbor part. Let's think about it. When you're cussing at a customer service member because they messed something up on your sandwich, (laughs) don't tell me you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I work food, you guys. Um, (laughs) It's a pretty general thing. We know the after-church rush on Sundays is the most miserable time in food. It's not a good time. Why is that? I don't have answers. I genuinely want to know because it's not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one, re- one thing we do, right? 
We, I do it too. Hypocrite, right? When you're passive-aggressive so you don't have to deal with the situation at hand, right? Just say a passive-aggressive jab, get out of there, you're both left no better than you were before you went in. Gossiping or slandering over somebody, specifically in the church, man, what are you doing? What are we doing? When you're telling somebody everything that's wrong with them, just to get it off your chest, not to love them, not to help them grow, just because you want to tell them how miserable they are and how awful they are at what they're doing. Are you loving them in that moment? No. There's my teenage voice coming out. <laughs> no. I could go on much longer in what we're not doing right to love people. And this isn't a list that's set out to condemn you. It's to tell you to stop waiting to love them. Choose to love people today because what happens when you can't love them tomorrow? This one's not in my notes, but it's been killing me lately. We have an old man, had an old man living downstairs two floors from us, and he was so polite. He literally just sat in his car and fed birds, and every time Jackson and I walked by, Jackson's my son, every time we walked by him, he would just wave at us and smile. I never said a word to him. They just recently um, found his body uh, after six days of sitting in his apartment. And he's, he's gone. I never asked him if he knew Jesus or if he'd heard the gospel. I'd never even really said hello other than, you know, a weird wave or whatever on passing by, the thing we do at Walmart to people every day. I feel conver- er, terribly convicted about this because some people die with their family surrounding their bed. This man was alone for six days before maintenance found him. Could have said hello. Uh, another thing that's been on my mind a lot lately, if you go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why are we, everybody in this room, or at least the ones that claim to be believers, why are we not telling everybody about Jesus? Everybody? not just the people that you like or you feel comfortable with? Why aren't we spreading the word like crazy? Other religions do it better. <laughs> we make fun of them for it, right? It's wacky. They knock on your door. You know who it is. So here's the... I've been asking a lot of people I trust in my life recently. So if you're one of the people that I'm talking about here, you're probably going to know it because I only ask the ones I like, really trust about it. Why they, they don't spread it more. And the answers I get, it's astounding. I get, I'm waiting for it to come up naturally. Non-believers aren't going to bring Jesus up to you. They're not. That's never going to be a natural conversation. You're not talking about the patriots cheating and then, you know, oh, thank Jesus that they're alive. No, nobody says that. I don't hate the patriots. <laughs> they're waiting for the right time. Almost like naturally, but a little bit different. Because this one, you're waiting for it to be more comfortable with the person, right? Waiting for the right time to tell them. Good golly. The right time? What is time? They don't want to offend someone. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to offend people. But what happens when you don't? And they need to hear it. Do you think that's a little worth stepping out of that comfort of offending somebody? 
or they don't know the person. This one fires me up a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't get it because I didn't know all of you seven years ago. Not any of you, actually. Now I look around. This is my family. That didn't happen naturally. It happened because I stepped out of my comfort zone because Todd gave me a ride home when he didn't know the stranger. Amber showed up and she was, I shouldn't say names. I should have taken that note. <laughs> she shows up and she just jumps in, right? That wasn't natural and that's probably not comfortable, but we all love her for it. You're not knowing somebody is not an excuse. We're called to make disciples of all nations. I have that in caps, so I know it's important. We aren't even doing it in home. In our families, in our city, there's 90-something churches, probably more than that, in Columbia City. So why should we have to spread the word? They'll do it, right? No, we should all be doing it. I don't understand. I'm not perfect at it myself, obviously. I just don't get how we can use that as an excuse. I challenge everybody in this room right now to be bold five times this week. That's bold less than once a day, just so everybody knows. <laughs> less than one time every day to be bold and ask a random person that you see. It's probably easier for me because I work food, like I said. But ask them if they know the gospel or if they know Jesus. You don't have to follow up. If they say no, um, be like, are you interested maybe? But you don't have to say, well, how could you not know all this? Don't do that. <laughs> not speaking from experience. Or even who he was, who he is. Five people you talk to way more than that in a week. You're on Facebook. Just ask five people there. You don't know all your friends, I don't think. I don't know all mine. I bet you see how hurt the world is. A lot of answers you'll probably get will be along the lines of, oh, it's not for me. You can ask why or you can not pry. Be bold, your call. I don't have a whole lot. To be honest, I was terribly nervous for most of this. <laughs> um, it was easier once I was up here. But what can we take away from these few things that I've said today? Number one, I have a list so everybody knows. Number one is to swallow your pride. If you're not saved, but you claim to believe in God, <laughs> what are you waiting for? Kobe Bryant didn't expect to crash that morning. You don't have to live not knowing what happens if you crash. Just make the choice. If you are saved, number two, act how you're called. If you are saved, start acting like it. Because if you, aren't the, if you are the only Christian that somebody in this world ever has a chance at meeting, what are they taking away from that? You're called to be a light. Go shine. Number three, Stop waiting for tomorrow. It's not coming. No matter what the situation is in your life, whether it's your work and you want a promotion, stop waiting to ask for it. Or stop waiting to work hard. If it's coming up here and asking somebody for a prayer, you don't know if that tomorrow is coming. One day you're going to run out of them. Number four, this is specifically to people who are saved and believers. I want you to tell people about Jesus. You've got to start telling people about Jesus. God chose us. Todd says something that's been resonating with me for a while. He could have had Moses come up and tell everybody about everything. 
but he chose everybody in this room to do this. You were chosen for this. To go out and tell them, to be that light for them. He called us to strive to create disciples. Why are you waiting for this? I'm going to ask Manny to come up and play some music. Um, Obviously, shorter for you guys today. Some people are thankful I won't say names. Um, Look, the wait can be over right now. Whatever you're waiting on can be over at this moment. You can decide to stop waiting. Thousands of years ago, God created us for his glory. So therefore, all humans should live for his glory. But as humans, we have and will continue to fall short of the glory of God. And for that, we all deserve eternal punishment. We aren't perfect, so we don't deserve a perfect eternity. Not on our own. But still in his mercy for us, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to the world so he can bridge the gap for our flawed humanness where we stink or whatever. He sent him so that stink's not an excuse anymore. We can never bridge this gap on our own, you guys. He lived a perfect, flawless life just to be put to death in a, most, in a terrible spiritual and physical way. Right before dying, he declared, it is done. He was hanged on the cross and beaten, humiliated, and made fun of. Three days later, he rose again because God willed it so that you and me, we can all live an eternal life with him that we never earned in the first place. Could you bring up Romans 10.9 again, please? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus existed, period. It's time for you to decide what he was. Was he some crazy guy who was making crazy things happen? Or was he the son of God? Make your decision. Act on it. Stop waiting to act. I'm going to have people up. We're going to have people up here praying for you. Um, you don't need them to pray for you, but they're up here for you, so you don't have to make this decision on your own. Just stop waiting. They're going to walk this out with you. But I want you to be different today. Stop telling yourself later. Do it right now. Why would you wait? 